Hey, Almost Founder, and welcome back to the most practical podcast for very early stage entrepreneurs. My name is Kurosh Gafari, and just like you, I am a young entrepreneur who wants to build products that people love. Today, we are taking a very customer-centric approach to sales. With me today is Rick Huckstep, and I genuinely can't think of a better person to teach us about sales. Apart from being quite the LinkedIn influencer with over 100,000 followers and the chairman of the digital insurer, Rick has been doing sales for 30 years now, and he just loves working with startups, either as a mentor on various accelerator programs like the Insane Startup Bootcamp or on his own in his sales club. He also just started the Wiser newsletter to show you what's new and happening in the world of tech and business, sales and the markets. Sign up for the first free issue with the link in the podcast description. Now let's get to it. And as always, share this episode with some of your entrepreneurial friends who might need some clarity on the role of sales within a startup. Get ready to learn today to use tomorrow. Today, we want to take a customer-centric view. We want to learn how to understand our customers. And to make it a bit easier for us today, we are attacking three categories which play a role in a consumer's decision to buy your product. Now, the first category is motivations. Every sale starts with a problem. No one buys something they don't need or want. So you got to figure out what the problem is. But why is this a category for us to speak about if it can be as easy as a person buying water is fighting the problem of thirst? You know, this is the best question you could, we could start the discussion with because the number one reason why startups fail is because there is no customer need. And I've seen in so many uh, sales pitches, uh, pitch decks uh, from startups where they've come up with this fantastic idea, um, but actually they haven't really understood what it is uh, that is going to motivate people to want to buy it. So it's, it's this not understanding what it is, what problem it is that you're trying to solve. What I see happening so many times is that the startup founders convince themselves that their idea is unique, it's special, it's, um, it's compelling, people are just going to you know, rush to buy it. But actually, it's not founded in any understanding of who is going to buy it and why that individual would buy it. So I always start every discussion with a startup on this whole question of motivation. What is it that is going to motivate the person you, you know, the other person to give you their money or their time or their attention or their data or whatever it is that you want to trade in return for what it is you created? Because if you really don't understand that, then you are almost certainly on a path to wasting your time and somebody else's money. So I, I know we always say this. I know that there's no use creating something that no one would want. But for a person just creating a startup right now, what is a way that I can go ahead and actually figure out the answer to this question? There are two, there are two elements to this question. The first is that if you're a startup, if you're a founder, if you're an entrepreneur, you really should not be entering into a market or a sector that you just don't understand. So if you are determined that a particular sector or a particular space is of interest to you, then you need to find a partner that understands how that market works. Because without understanding from being with inside uh, insight, you know, having actually lived and breathed and experienced being within a particular sector, it's almost impossible for you to learn 
I see this again all the time. People go into new markets and you get a founding team of three people and you say, so which one of you has worked in this sector at all? And the answer is none. And you just think you're just going to fail because you'll never understand. And the reality is, is that our buyers, whatever sector they're in, they all tend to think that their sector is unique. Everybody buys in the same way but everybody uses different language unique to that particular space. So you need to understand that. The second part of that answer is that, you know, once you've got past the first one, is that you have to do the hard work. You cannot trust your kind of gut instincts. And again, you see this mistake all the time. Somebody kind of trusts that they understand. The question is research, research, research. You need to talk to customers. You need to talk to people that have been inside this industry. You need to really understand what is the pain points and what is the motivation for anybody to make any kind of buying decision? So two, two ways. Make sure you've got industry insight and make sure you do the research. I, I have a question about how much of a product I already need to be able to figure out if I'm solving a problem. Because I've seen, I, I've seen it many times that people walk up to me, for example, or to some customers and they just pitch an idea. They just pitch an idea and then they ask the customer, so would you buy this or would you use this? Is this useful to you? And nine times out of 10, because the, the person will probably say yes. Yeah, great question. Example, as you said there, where you just do some initial market research and you go to people and you say, if I created something that looks like this, whatever it is, would you buy it? And naturally, most people will say, yeah, I'll buy that. You have to, it's the follow-up question, which is the most important one, because then you have to say, what would make you buy that? What would you do with it once you bought it? You have to answer all of those questions that, that follow on to properly understand because the, question, the, 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 the customer is never going to tell you what you need to know. They don't, they don't volunteer that information because they don't, you need to get it out of them. So, for example, you say to me, look, I have this great product. Would you buy it? I say, yeah, I'd buy it. And what if I charged £100? No, I wouldn't buy it. Or what if it only worked in you know, at nighttime or if it only worked on a Saturday or, you know, you have to properly understand by asking all the supplementary questions. So how do people decide between alternatives or what goes through a person's head when we make the active decision to spend some money? But most of all, as a first time founder of a startup, how do I ask these follow up questions that you have just mentioned to figure out more about my customer's decision to actually go ahead and use and buy what I create? So the question really does get to the, um, the, this notion of value. The reason somebody makes a buying decision is because of this perception of value and how do they measure value? And there is several dynamics to that. One is, you know, is it solving a problem or is it a discretionary purchase? You know, I really need uh, these painkillers, therefore I'm going to buy them, whereas I don't really need this Mont Blanc pen or this fancy pen, but I'd like to have one. And so wh whatever you're selling, whether it's a need versus a want, and also the price point, which is then, is it to the, to the point when it is just too expensive relative to the perceived value? Equally, you don't want to go too cheap the other way. So it is about understanding what is it that's going to establish a sense of this is enough value and I'm willing to pay for it. And there's one other element to this, which is also time. And again, this is linked to the value. So you have this notion of what's called a compelling event. So I might need to buy. So insurance is a great example. My insurance policy runs out at the end of the month. Therefore, I have to buy insurance by the end of the month because my current policy ends. 
So again, if you are selling something which has uh, a subscription type model or is based on, on, on time-based parameters, then again, understanding the buying cycle will determine whether somebody then has to buy it or whether they want to buy it. And there's, there's differences there. But it, ultimately, Koresh, it's, it's all down to value. What is, what is the value your customers are going to perceive by the product or offering that you're creating? Okay, so from the beginning when I have mentioned that I wanted to speak about three categories, you actually mentioned all of them perfectly. So basically the first one was figuring out that you're solving a problem, right? What is the problem? Under, then the second one would have been, why do customers make buying decisions? Because they have a high perceived value of a product. And then the third one is, how do I define value for my customers? What you have said, I might be creating something as an entrepreneur that I perceive to be extremely valuable. What, what I think at the end of the day, doesn't really matter, right? Because I'm not going to be the one paying money for this product. I'm not going to be the one keeping the company alive. By speaking to customers and by working with them, you can figure out what kind of value you're actually providing and how you can translate your product to, to show that you're actually providing this value. In, in the sense of what we have just spoken about, about different consumers having different perceptions of values, how do I not lose my mind when I'm doing this? For example, with us, we have 18 to 24-year-olds listening to the podcast. What if I suddenly have a huge group of 65-year-olds listening to this podcast? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's, a good, that's a good question. I think um, the, the reality, you know, is that the reality of the market that the startup founder is going to find themselves in? I would say probably it probably isn't. Your, you know, if you, this podcast... Uh, and your offering that you've created is very much targeted to a, 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 a niche. And I would always advise every startup, every founder to, to identify a niche and to target to that. And if you suddenly find that a load of 65 year old wannabe entrepreneurs are listening to you, don't deviate from your, your niche. You need to create your go-to-market strategy and what I call your sales playbook. And this is where you define very clearly who you want your customers to be, who, you're, who are you talking to, What's, how are you telling stories? Because if you tell stories to a 20-year-old, they're going to need to be very different than if you're appealing to a 60-year-old um, or a male or a female uh, or different, you know, there's all kinds of differences. And you have to be very careful because we, you know, we, we don't want to create unnatural biases. But in segmenting the marketplace, you are going to identify a group that is your target audience and you have to talk to them. If you try and talk to everybody, you suddenly will find you become very diluted and you'll end up talking to nobody. Unless you are, um, you know, Apple or Amazon uh, or Microsoft or any of these major players where they can afford, they have the scale to be able to target uh, many, many different segments and have and target their, uh, and tailor their sales messages and marketing messages accordingly. The best advice for any startup is if you get a load of 60-year-olds suddenly listening, if there becomes enough, then take a step, sidestep and say, well, look, you know, have we created, is there a market we're missing? But do not deviate from your initial path, which is we're selling to 18 to 24-year-olds. This is our market. We priced it based on their, their, their perception of value. We priced it on their affordability. We priced it on all these various things. And if we suddenly find that, a different demographic is interested. Be very careful about switching. Remember, 
does the you know the number one reason why a startup fails is that they don't address the customer need. The number two reason is they run out of money. You know, it's lack of cash flow, and sales is going to burn your cash faster than anything else that is in your business. I mean, there's a, it's the it's the biggest sinkhole that you're going to have when you're starting out. So be very very careful about where you spend your sales dollars because if you start chasing customers which you've not identified as your target customers, you may live to regret that. You almost certainly will. Just for the sake of getting a final great answer from you, allow me to be a little bit annoying. Um, Everything that we've spoken about so far up to this point might be attributed towards product development and marketing, but you have told us that it is a deep part of sales. And I would argue, without making too many assumptions, that a lot of us have this very simplistic and... um, bad connotation towards sales because sometimes you have these bad interactions when people are trying to sell you something that you don't really want and they don't let go of you so can you just finally tell me why this is not the case why sales is so ridiculously important apart from obviously making money this notion that sales is somehow dirty right that there's a there's a bad taste is just something that entrepreneurs and startups have to get over because Without sales, no business will succeed. Without sales, you're either a charity or you're a hobby. And entrepreneurs need to get their heads around the fact that the most important part of any business is sales. If you don't put as much effort into your sales plan at the outset as you do into building whatever it is you're going to sell, you will fail. And at some point, you are going to have to stop going back to your spreadsheets and going back to your product development and going back to your drawings and your planning. And at some point you're going to have to go out and talk to people and say, why would you buy this thing? Why would you take money that you've earned and give it to me in return for the thing that I've created? And sales is everything from identifying the market need. Where is the opportunity in the market at the very beginning, right the way through to delivery execution. So sales is not just the, 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 the one element, which is, uh, hi, I'm Rick, I'm a salesman. Will you, you know, let me sell you this pen. And you say, yeah, you know, uh, you know, write your name on a napkin. Okay, I'll give you five pound and then it's sold the pen. That's, that's a transaction, right? That is an element of it. And that's called, kind of like the headline. But sales is everything that goes before it. And if you, di- if you consider the act of selling the transaction as a separate kind of... Um, element to the product you're going to find that disconnect is going to come back and bite you because what will happen is you'll continue to build things without being really sure that people are going to buy them and so selling is the whole process from the very very start of the the journey right the way through to the very end of making things that people are going to want to buy in just 15 minutes you have a better understanding of what it means to sell You now know the motivations of your consumers to get to that buying decision and you also know how to speak to them to figure out what value it is that you can actually provide. As always, if you like this episode, please share it with any of your entrepreneurial friends who might need a bit more guidance on this whole complicated process of selling. My name is Kourish Gafari and just like you, I'm an almost founder.